0: the Nueces. From there to his own camp it was sixteen miles. To the Espinosa ranch house it was twelve. Givens was tired. He decided to pass the night at the crossing. There was a fine waterhole in the riverbed. The banks were thickly covered with great trees, undergrown with brush. Back from the waterhole, fifty yards, was a stretch of curly mesquite grass. Supper for his horse and bed for himself. Givens staked his horse and spread out his saddle blankets to dry. He sat down with his back against a tree and rolled a cigarette. From somewhere in the dense timber along the river came a sudden, rageful, shivering wail. The pony danced at the end of his rope and blew a whistling snort of comprehending fear. Gibbons puffed at his cigarette, but he reached leisurely for his pistol belt, which lay on the grass, and twirled the cylinder of his weapon tentatively. A great gar plunged with a loud splash into the water-hole. A little brown rabbit skipped around a bunch of cat claw and sat twitching his whiskers and looking humorously at Gibbons. The pony went on eating grass. It is well to be reasonably watchful when a Mexican lion sings soprano along the arroyos at sundown. The burden of his song may be that young calves and fat lambs are scarce, and that he has a carnivorous desire for your acquaintance. In the grass lay an empty fruit can, cast there by some former sojourner. Gibbons caught sight of it with a grunt of satisfaction. In his coat pocket, tied behind his saddle, was a handful or two of ground coffee. Black coffee and cigarettes. What Ranchero could desire more? In two minutes he had a little fire going clearly. He started with his can for the waterhole. When within fifteen yards of its edge he saw, between the bushes, a side-saddled pony with down-dropped reins cropping grass a little distance to his left, just rising from her hands and knees on the brink of the waterhole, was Josepha O'Donnell. She had been drinking water, and she brushed the sand from the palms of her hands. Ten yards away, to her right, half concealed by a clump of sacuista. Given saw the crouching form of the Mexican lion. His amber eyelids glared hungrily. Six feet from them was the tip of the tail stretched straight, like a pointer's. His hindquarters rocked with the motion of the cat tribe preliminary to leaping. Givens did what he could. His six-shooter was thirty-five yards away, lying on the grass. He gave a loud yell and dashed between the lion and the princess. The ruckus, as Givens called it afterward— was brief and somewhat confused. When he arrived on the line of attack, he saw a dim streak in the air and heard a couple of faint cracks. Then a hundred pounds of Mexican lion plumped down upon his head and flattened him with a heavy jar to the ground. He remembered calling out, "'Let up now! No fair gouging!' And then he crawled from under the lion like a worm, with his mouth full of grass and dirt, and a big lump on the back of his head where it had struck the root of a water elm. The lion lay motionless. Givens, feeling aggrieved and suspicious of fowls, shook his fist at the lion and shouted, I'll wrestle you again for twenty! And then he got back to himself. Josepha was standing in her tracks quietly reloading her silver-mounted thirty-eight. It had not been a difficult shot. The lion's head made an easier mark than a tomato can swinging at the end of a string. There was a provoking, teasing, maddening smile upon her mouth and in her dark eyes. The would-be rescuing knight felt the fire of his fiasco burn down to his soul. Here had been his chance, the chance that he had dreamed of, and Momus and not Cupid had presided over it. The satyrs in the wood were no doubt holding their sides in hilarious, silent laughter. There had been something like vaudeville.